This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today. Welcome to Vibrant Raw Living. I'm your host, Victoria Madian. Join me on a journey of discovering your infinite potential. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to be talking about criticism, competition, and comparison. These are three things that I have a lot of experience dealing with, being that I grew up as a competitive dancer. And there's a lot of things that still happen within these realms. I do still work within the performing arts industry, and there are a lot of aspects of critique, competition, and comparison that also happen out in other aspects of life, whether it's in a work environment, whether it's in a social media environment, or within a family structure. There's a lot of different ways that this plays into our lives, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into that and explore ways in which we can use criticism, competition, and comparison to our benefit rather than to our fault. So do you ever feel yourself being uncomfortable being critiqued? Oftentimes, I feel like it does kind of put people on the defensive or unfortunately, people can take it personally as if, you know, someone doesn't believe in their ability to achieve more or they're being just too harshly judged. Critiques ultimately serve the purpose of helping a person know what they need to work on when given constructively. And I say constructively in the sense that These are not emotionally charged critiques. These are not things that are, you know, personal attacks at people like, oh, I think you're this or that. And it's, you know, more of a personal critique on a person. It shouldn't be judgmental in the sense that you are emphasizing to put them down, speaking to someone in short talk or being short with somebody. It's really to offer a critique to them so that they can improve from it. Um, And as a dancer and a choreographer, as well as an instructor and competition judge, I've had some experience and practice giving and receiving constructive criticism and as well learning how to discern negativity and hate. So learning to acknowledge and apply constructive criticism is really, really important. It will help you grow and learn from others. And as well, you'll be learning to discern hate and heckling from yourself and others. And this can also really be helpful in your growth process. As a judge for competitions, I have experience judging for the show Dance Moms. I I come from a perspective when I am judging these competitions that I am speaking from experience, I'm critiquing from experience to help the dancers focus on specific corrections that they may not otherwise receive from their instructors. And these critiques are constructively given and are ultimately meant to help the dancer improve. I feel like taking critiques is as important as being able to apply them 
and discern them. And one of the main reasons why dancers subject themselves to dance competitions is for the reason that they are going to receive these critiques, apply them for their next performance, and then hopefully improve from the next round of routines, the next round of critiques that they will get from the round of judges that they may experience the next time they go to competition. So it's important to change your perception. See how you can benefit from the critique. Instead of saying, oh, this person said, you know, my toes weren't pointed enough or my legs weren't straight enough or I'm just not this or that enough for them, you are enough. Always know that you are enough. And if people are giving you constructive criticism, it means that they believe in you. It's not something where you want to take it personally. When I give my students constructive criticism, it's for the reason that I believe that they can improve. And I'm giving that energy of mine to them for the reason that I believe in their ability to flourish. I abil- I believe in their ability to grow. And I always sought to get in constructive critiques from my instructors growing up because I believed that if they were giving me those critiques and I was able to apply them and that they saw me applying them, that that would be impressive to them. And not that the main goal is to impress upon people. If they saw that growth and improvement, it would mean that I was having growth and having respect for their opinion and their experience. When I was younger, I would seek critiques from my instructors because A, I respected their opinion. B, it meant that they were paying attention to me. C, it meant that I could improve. So, and they believed in my improvement. So when I would seek out their critiques and I would see that they were giving them to me, whether it was during class or a private lesson or what have you, I would really focus my energy on applying those critiques that I was given and allowing the instructor to compare my improvement um, because I trusted their their knowledge and experience and being in their classroom, I put that faith in them that I am going to do what is asked of me to improve myself and because I'm interested in reaching the level or the standards which my instructors setting for me taking this out into life, when we have a particular boss or we have people that we're working with or we have a trainer or a coach of any sort, we want to be open to constructive criticism because this is something that will allow us to grow in such a way where we are learning from our instructor as a mentor. Sometimes we are not always going to like the instructor that we have. Sometimes they are not always going to be maybe the kindest people, but learning to put that aside and receive the constructive criticism to a lot of that other stuff out is a very valuable skill because that's where you learn how to not take things personally and you objectively learn how to apply what needs to be taken care of and get it done quickly, which will allow you to advance much faster 
and avoid the root of all of the emotional ups and downs of taking things the wrong way. So it's important to, you know, yearn for those constructive critiques and just take it as a compliment that your instructor cares about you, even if there is a bit of passionate energy behind there, which sometimes can be a little bit more on the disciplined side and maybe not always 100% positive. It comes from a place of really trying to engage the dancer to focus. It should not lead you to be hard on yourself. However, when I began my yoga practice as well, I was I was a little bit hard on myself when I started and I would go to my instructors and ask them, you know, what am I doing that can be improved upon? How can I improve my postures? What can I do that will allow me to stretch a bit deeper, but also have better alignment in what I'm doing and maybe not force things as much, maybe not put so much pressure on myself or on my body in certain areas? What can I do to open more? You know, please give me the unique constructive critiques for my body. That way I can grow a bit more in class. And I understand that sometimes people want to come to the yoga class and just go through the motions and do what they can for that day. But I think early on in my practice, I really wanted to advance quickly and I really loved the practice that I was building and I wanted it to grow in the right direction. So I appreciated the feedback from my instructors, especially in my earlier years with yoga, that helped really inform a lot of the alignment that I have today, a lot of the mental practices that I have today, and it's all helped me so much. But it was like having the open-mindedness towards their constructive criticism rather than feeling judged by them in a negative way, which really helped me to grow And it can be easy to take things personally when you're dealing with criticism. And it can be, we are our own hardest critics, hands down. There's there's no denying that. So it's important to be kind to yourself and lift yourself up and remember that you are growing, that you are improving every single day, little by little. Oftentimes, it's very, very important to celebrate the little successes along the way because those lead to greater success and it might be a little bit little bit little bit every single day that makes a difference but those little millimeters add up to centimeters those inches lead to feet and yards and miles from there every little bit helps and it's important to celebrate something every day and keep gratitude for your own growth. If this is not dealt with or shifted, it can really lead to some negative consequences and behaviors. If you become self-deprecating and you start going into comparison or competing with other people or even comparing yourself to your past or what you think you should be, which we'll get into a little bit later, this can be really, really detrimental. So it's important to keep that gratitude present Be grateful for the criticism because it's meant to help you become better. It's also so amazing to learn to appreciate your ability to grow and practice that. As human beings, we are so capable of so much. Part of being alive is learning our own capacity and how amazing it is and how, how limitless it can be and how truly a lot of the blocks that we put on ourselves are only mental blocks 
And sometimes, unfortunately, those blocks can be pretty, pretty powerful, but they can also be broken. Once opened, opening the floodgates and letting all of this water and life flourish rather than keeping it so closed off. You have the ability to grow in the areas in your life which you want to. And it is important to realize that and be open to that growth process and practice being open to your own growth and experiencing that growth, which is sometimes painful, sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes it's a struggle, but it is really important. When we're receiving criticism, it can feel a little bit like it's not criticism, like you're dealing with hateful, rude, or abusive criticism. And I've had many friends that have received a lot of abusive comments online, whether they're like on YouTube or Instagram or on Twitter or what have you. Online hate is totally a thing, unfortunately. And I think that this is something that a lot of people deal with. Again, whether it's online, whether they're dealing with it in a family environment or a work environment as well. You know, let's take, for example, online If you choose to expose so many details of your life in such a vulnerable way and people feel like they know you, you also can potentially open up yourself to complete strangers who feel that they have the authority to judge you, even though they don't maybe really, really know you. And some of those things that can be said are extremely hurtful and harmful. Also, when it comes to family members, I feel like family members oftentimes say or can say some of either the most kindest things or sometimes in in a lot of instances, we can sometimes hurt the people that we love the most because we are in such a vulnerable connection with them and we've seen them sometimes in really, really sensitive moments and very vulnerable moments. And as human nature, sometimes people will unfortunately take the leap to take advantage of that and kick people when they're down. And I've unfortunately experienced this in several aspects in my life, but In different situations, there are people out there who really are hurtful people and it stems from within. Dealing with narcissistic abuse is not something that is comfortable for anybody. And when you are dealing with a narcissist who is giving you criticism and it's really coming from an internal place where they hate themselves and they are very judgmental towards themselves and they project that onto other people, it is not only destructive to that individual, but it is destructive to all people in their environment. And the best thing you can do in those situations is to limit or cut off contact to people that are projecting a lot of really unnecessary judgment towards you. If it's causing you to really question a lot of things about yourself in such a way where it is negatively impacting your life, it may be a good idea to take a break from that relationship or that interaction or maybe block those people online or do whatever you need to do that's going to help you feel safe. It's important to not let people feel entitled to judge you out of context or judge you in isolated incidents where they don't 
actually have. They're not coming to give you constructive criticism. They're not coming at it from a place of kindness. They're not coming at it from a place of compassion. And they're not coming at it from a place of seeing your ability to grow and become a more developed and blossoming individual. They're coming at it from a place where they literally want to hurt you and see you fail. And these people really should not be in your life. And it's important to have that discernment because sometimes we can go towards people in our lives that unfortunately bring us down and we just want to be loved by them. But it's not usually a good situation. It's not always important to receive that care from every single person in our life because not all people have that for us. And that's sometimes a really brutal truth to have to accept, but it's sometimes oftentimes the case. When it comes to dealing with that hateful, rude, abusive criticism, and you do feel that it's coming from someone with narcissistic tendencies, it is really important to know that people are going to project their inner issues at you and... They want to do that to avoid their own problems and focus on your own. It's important to practice a lot of self-love when dealing with constructive critiques, and this will help you be a more positive and actualized person. I think it can be really easy to judge other people and look at people online or maybe that are just walking down the street or somebody that you know is an acquaintance, somebody that you work with, someone who's a family friend might be really easy to look at somebody and see this outer image and everybody wants to put their best foot forward in life. Nobody wants to walk through life and, you know, everybody's doing the best that they can with what they have. It's not really anyone's place to personally judge somebody else when they don't ask for that criticism because you're not in their shoes you don't know their whole story. Even if you think you do, you probably don't. And what good is it to put another person down? Ultimately, it only makes you look bad. So it's not a very good decision to do that in life. If you are offering criticism to a person for the purpose of uplifting them, of seeing growth opportunities in their life that they can seize, and you would wish that upon them, that's amazing. But if you're judging somebody from a place where you seek to put them down to make yourself look better, even though that's so contradictory, it's important to really check your intentions, not only for the health of your relationship with yourself, but your relationships with other people. And if you do find yourself going into that place, what are you getting out of that? What are you actually gaining from doing that action? That's a very individual question and a very individual answer, but it's important to be asked. And sometimes people can come at this place where they want to judge other people for the sake of competing. Now, there's a lot more to life than competing. There's a lot more to dance than competing as well. Now, oftentimes, Growing up as a competitive dancer, I was at competitions, I would say, at least a third to maybe even more than that of the year. That means like most weekends between January and June of the year, I would be at dance competitions. I would be going to competitions, competing my routines, being adjudicated, and 
usually at dance competitions, you are given a point score. You are given a, they may give special awards away. You will be ranked in overalls for who received the highest scores for that day. You will oftentimes be rated or first judged in your age category, your style of dance that you're doing. And you will also be judged in the size of your dance. So if there are five people that is going to be maybe in a different size category than a dance that has 25 people in it. So all of those different dance styles have different categories for where they'll be judged. You'll be ranked first to usually they do a top 10 of an age category or a division. So a junior division would be, you know, ages usually like preteen, so on. If you're competing as a soloist, oftentimes you will be judged on your technique is a very hefty portion of the score sheet. Usually 40 to 50% of the score sheet will be just technique scores. You're also judged on grooming. So your appearance, your costume, its appropriateness, because sometimes that can be a little bit questionable with uh, certain, (laughs) certain dances and certain competitions and studios and stuff. So that has its place. Um, your performance quality, so what you are bringing to the table in regards to your performance, and a host of other things. You go on stage basically eligible to receive usually about 300 points, and your point score is then you might get points taken away for certain things, and that is meant to show you areas you can improve in. Now, in this process, it can be a little bit, it can be stressful. So, When you are going into the space and you are subjecting yourself to this and you're around a whole bunch of other girls who have been training a lot as well, who have sassy attitudes sometimes, it can be easy to fall into the trap of actually competing against other girls when that's not the true competition. The competition is the competition with yourself. Are you performing your routine better than you did the last time? And if you're not, what is holding you back? That is the competition. Are you able to, you know, break through those boundaries in your mind that are going to keep you from dancing full out, that are keeping you from performing to the best of your ability, applying your technique the best you can? That's the true competition. It's not against the other girls because you're not doing their routine. You're not you're not dancing their dance. They are dancing their dance, which they have practiced for a long time. And as well, this it's a total trap because competing with another person is very egotistical. It's very I am better than you type of mentality rather than I am doing the best I can and this individual is doing the best they can and when we do that together and we both try to be the best we can be at what we can do that's where we strive together because we get inspired by seeing the other person push themselves they get inspired by us pushing ourselves and seeing that within us and it makes us want to be better people That is the important thing about dance competitions that I feel it gets very lost sometimes. And I don't feel like I really grasped this concept until I started doing yoga competitions. And 
I get it. Listeners, you might be like, what the heck is a yoga competition? Like, isn't that the total opposite of what yoga is? I totally hear you. Yoga competition really changed my outlook on dance competitions because I grew up kind of thinking that we were competing against other studios and other teams and it was like, we win and they lose when ultimately everybody is having success to certain different degrees, right? When I did my first yoga competition, which yoga competition oftentimes um, consists of five compulsory postures, which if you're familiar with Hatha yoga or Bikram yoga, that's standing head to knee, standing bow pulling pose, bow pose, stretching, and rabbit rabbit would come before stretching during the time where I did yoga competitions which was probably about four years ago for a while um that was the structure that was set and everybody would have the same postures that they would do and you'd be judged on again your alignment you'd be judged in your stability your grace your um you know, your balance, things like that, and ultimately your ability to have control of the posture even once you were in it. After those five postures were done, you'd have the option to to, to do two advanced postures, which would be an extreme, usually, display of either your strength, your balance, your flexibility, or a combination of all of those in certain postures. And that would be what you would be judged on. So all of us yoga practitioners, I was usually one of the youngest to compete, um, surprisingly. But um, a lot of the female competitors that I was sort of in the same category with, I don't want to say competing with because I was not competing with them. We were in the same category. A lot of them understood how much time it takes day in day out putting the hours in like three hours a day to practice on yoga sometimes more than that in the hot room bending your body taking care of your nutrition outside the yoga room taking care of your thoughts your mental processes dealing with life how much it takes to maintain a really strong yoga practice it's an investment and once I feel like I got to that point, the the types of women and the type of women that I was surrounded by in that environment were, they were so supportive and they still are so supportive, so encouraging. And everybody in that environment, it's like backstage, everybody was hanging out and talking and stretching together. And yeah, we might have represented different schools or different studios or what have you of yoga. However, we all came together in the act of we all practiced yoga. You know, we all celebrated that and we all cheered each other on and being like, hey, like, I hope you do the best you can do because we want to see each other succeed. We don't want to see each other fall out of postures. Of course, we'll always be there to support each other if that does happen. But we want to see people do their best. And by seeing other people do our best, it has it makes us right raise our standards more to put our best work forward. So that's really, really important. There's a lot more to life than competing. And we have an option every single day in our interactions 
to come at things from an egotistical standpoint or we can look at an individual who is having their unique degree of success and celebrate that and be like, wow, that's amazing for her or him. And I celebrate this individual because this is probably a dream that they wanted in their life and it came true for them. And that's so cool. I wonder what else is possible for me and just see it from that perspective. It's very easy to get jealous of people. It's very easy to think that competing with another person or trying to show up another person is going to make you look better. But oftentimes, in my experience, the most gracious competitors are those who are the most kind to other people, who are the most humble. And this is not always the case. Don't get me wrong. I've been around people who are very good at what they do, but they have an, an ego about it. And sometimes that's the case. But I feel like the competitors, which I have the most respect for that are accomplished, are very humble because they understand the amount of work that it takes to put in to get to that level of success. And they are humbled by the fact that they are being acknowledged for that. And it's humbling to be around those kinds of people rather than somebody who's like constantly talking about, well, I've achieved this and I've achieved that and I have this and I have that. It's like, whoa, it doesn't allow others to compliment you. And it feels good to be able to compliment other people. It feels good to be other to be able to celebrate other people. So if you constantly feel the need to, you know, fill yourself up or like share all of these things about yourself, it doesn't allow people to see the beauty in you when you constantly feel like you have to just project it, project it so much. So it's important to feel that within inside of yourself and, and keep those successes within you and enjoy those successes. But if you constantly feel the need to talk about all of your awards or go on about maybe how much better you are than somebody else, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look. It's important to stay humble in life because there's always somebody out there who's better than you. There's always somebody out there who you can be inspired by and you can always grow as a person. And I think growing in humility is a huge lesson to take in life because everybody has unique gifts and abilities and it's an amazing it's a gift to be able to celebrate those in other people. And I have to say, having worked with so many students who are so talented in maybe other ways than I am talented and having friends and seeing them perform different dance styles, which maybe I don't have as much experience in as them or see them perform dance styles, which I don't even know, um, whether they're cultural dance styles it's like so inspiring because it makes me want to learn more about it. It makes me just want to cheer them on. You know what I mean? We always have the option to cheer people on. I think social media has actually given us an opportunity, even though it has been a kind of space where people can be a bit more critical and be a bit more competitive. And it does allow an opportunity for people to compare themselves a little bit more to each other 
it also does offer an opportunity for us to celebrate each other and celebrate the good things in each other's lives and be there to support other people as well. Maybe if they're going through a difficult time and they feel comfortable being vulnerable about that online, it's really, really amazing to be able to have that opportunity to do so. And just to come at it from this perspective, In dance, you can dance for personal growth and enjoyment. You can go to class just because you love dance, not necessarily to be the best in class. You can go to class for therapeutic reasons and find new movement and release at that time in your life when you can release emotion. You can go into it from a perspective where you are feeling empowered or you want to feel expansion and fill your of abilities and gratitude dance is for you life is for you you can approach these things in your life you can live your life not just to be the best at everything but just to do the best you can do and celebrate others being the best for themselves you can approach life as a therapeutic process you can approach life as an experience in empowerment and expansion in the realms of taking the challenges that are given to you and doing the best you can with them and being grateful for your opportunity to grow from those challenges. It's also important to understand that you can dance to make a statement and not just win awards. In life, we don't always get recognition for everything that we do, and it's not always about getting recognition for everything that we do or having everybody on our side or everybody agree with us. Sometimes we do things in our life to make a statement about things, to put particular pieces together in our life, to share what we are passionate about, to create something with impactful meaning and process emotions in such a way where we're able to heal and give back. And being a creative artist and being around so many creative artists who are maybe either actors, dancers, singers, photographers, um, videographers, filmmakers, things of that nature, it's been a really beautiful journey for me to explore and learn from many of the people in this industry who have transmuted so much pain into something so beautiful and created beautiful stories from that rather than let it destroy them. It's You know, oftentimes our greatest talents can be our greatest gifts in our times of despair and adversity. And when I see singers who, you know, if you're good at something and it makes you happy, do it just because it makes you happy. We have to learn to use that to our advantage rather than succumb to the pressures of the outside world. You know, if I'm stressed out, I go to my yoga practice, I go to meditation, I go to dance. I go to eating healthy foods and practicing that all in balance, not overdoing it in any one aspect, but using all of those things to cultivate my well-being and help me live a really vibrant and happy life for myself. Just as well, I had an ability to work with Tassandra Chavez when I was 17, and she's now an Emmy award-winning choreographer. Back in the day, this was probably about 10 years ago when I trained with her, that when I trained with her and her company and trained with her dancers at Unity San Diego, there was no financial exchange. Usually at a at a competitive dance studio, you pay for your training 
and you are basically considered almost like a client. But in her environment, it was a company environment. So you auditioned to be a part of that company and we would have rehearsals at certain times and you were required to come. But what she taught us during that time, I mean, those times in my life were really, really unforgettable and will always be a really like the cherry on top of my more childhood years in regards to my training. So it's something where the pieces that she created were very meaningful. They really focused on a lot of human emotion. These were not pieces that were sent necessarily to dance competitions. They were danced usually by adults or teens at the very like youngest. And they dealt with mature subjects, mature content. And I know that it was therapeutic to be in that environment. It was therapeutic to be um, to have so much expected of you and to rise to that occasion. Oftentimes, it would come home with bruises in places that I didn't even realize I could be bruised in, but I took them almost as battle wounds because I was competing with myself every single time I went into that rehearsal space around those dancers because all of them they had that drive to want to be better and better every single rehearsal and inspired by Chassandra's passion and the passion of everyone around them. We all have those opportunities in our life to give back to society and create from a very heart-centered space. And we can use the talents that we have to create something beautiful and meaningful at the same time. It's it's just a really, really healing process when you're able to do that. We can also, instead of competing, we can explore and learn from other people. Instead of competing with them, we can see their unique talents and gifts, right? And see how they approach something and how we might be able to take a page out of their book or see what they're able to do when they approach movement. For example, being at a dance convention. If I'm at a dance convention, which is oftentimes where a lot of studios will come and it'll be like huge ballroom spaces and um, instructors will be up on a raised stage and there'll be a sea of dancers sort of like looking to them and learning choreography on more of like a ballroom floor or a convention center type space. You see a lot of different dancers that you don't normally dance with in those spaces and different dancers are going to approach movement differently given their training, given their experience in life, given their body type and their flexibility and their strength. So you get an opportunity to be open to see, whoa, like how is this person approaching the movement? Everybody's being given the same movement to approach, but everybody has a different approach to it. So we can explore learning from others. We can explore different cultures. We can explore things outside of our comfort zone and allow that to be an expansive process for us. So the true competition exists in your mind between your ego, which is limited, and the spirit, which is infinite. Overcoming limiting beliefs in every facet of your life is so important so you can shine bright for yourself and reach more of your potential in your life and just keep achieving that. Keep going for it. Keep reaching. Keep striving. 
and not compete with other people around you, but rather be inspired by them and compete with yourself. Compete with that voice in your head that says, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I don't think I can do this. Like I'm freaking out right now and be like, no, you got this. You can do this. Let's go. It's that ability. That's what you're building through competition. And I know my dancers experience this when they're backstage and you feel like you want to pee and you're just like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. But then you go out on stage and all of it goes away and those lights are on you and the audience is out there and you just give it. You give it everything you have. That's where you let your spirit come through. So don't get lost in your ego of thinking that you have to be better than other people or whatever. Focus on your growth. Celebrate other people. Get inspired by other people. And in the act of doing that, cultivate positivity and others can be inspired by you. Good to question yourself. Like, do you find yourself competing with others? When that starts to come up for you in your mind, just check those intentions. And it can be really easy also to compare ourselves to other people. I feel like social media has definitely made that super, super easy because you can just pop on Instagram and see people from all different areas of the world, what people's different bodies look like, what they're eating, what their habits are, what talents they have, which is kind of cool. But there are a lot of statistics which support that people are more unhappy when they use social media because they use that as a time of comparison. So they're comparing, oh, like, look at, you know, my maybe let's say like the amount of followers, the amount of likes somebody gets. It's like, is that really important? I feel like to me, it's more important that I'm sharing content that's authentic to me And I feel like that's what people typically try to do with social media is just use it as a way to share their authentic selves. So I did talk about that a little bit more in a TED Talk I gave back in 2016, I believe. And I will link a description to that in in the show notes. So use social media in such a way where you feel like you express yourself and really see it as a way that people are using it to express themselves. Don't take things personally if people are posting stuff that you don't agree with. I think that in my time, I've learned that it's better to not get upset about things that you can't change, but just put the energy out there that you wish to share and allow that to be appreciated or, you know, compared or critiqued or judged in whatever way people want to judge it. But I think using social media in such a way where you can express yourself from an authentic place as a gift and it should be enjoyed. Thank you for tuning in to Vibrant Raw Living. Remember that you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving and maintaining your dreams as much as anyone else. If you have found this podcast useful, please subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud and share it with your friends and family. You can find links to my Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, and Snapchat in the show notes below. And if you'd like to follow me for updates, which I only share via email, come on over to my website at victoriamadian.com. I love you, and I'm wishing you a wonderful day. Go out there and discover your infinite potential. Restaurant Week, my favorite week of the year. 
will be happening from September 24th to October 1st. Over 180 restaurants participating with lunch and dinner option. Go to San Diego Restaurant week.com and make your reservation now.